Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by. I would like to welcome everyone to the Striding Conference Call. At this time, all lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you'd like to ask a question during this time, simply press the star followed by the number one on your telephone keypad. If you'd like to withdraw your question, please press the star followed by the one once again. Thank you. I will now hand the call over to Mr. Tim Casey, Vice President of Corporate Development and Investor Relations. You may begin your conference. Thank you, and good afternoon. Welcome to Stride's second quarter earnings call for fiscal year 2024. With me on today's call are James Root, Chief Executive Officer, and Donna Blackman, Chief Financial Officer. As a reminder, today's conference call and webcast are accompanied by a presentation that can be found on the Stride Investor Relations website. Please be advised that today's discussion of our financial results may include certain non-GAAP financial measures. A reconciliation of these measures is provided in the earnings release issued this afternoon and can also be found on our investor relations website. In addition to historical information, this call may also involve forward-looking statements. The company's actual results could differ materially from any forward-looking statements due to several important factors as described in the company's latest SEC filings. These statements are made on the basis of our views and assumptions regarding future events and business performance at the time we make them, and the company assumes no obligation to update any forward-looking statements made during this call. Following our prepared remarks, We'll answer any questions you may have. I'll now turn the call over to James. James? Thanks, Tim. Good afternoon. In November, during our investor day, we discussed the opportunities for our business and laid out our strategy to deliver what we believe will be market-leading returns. I discussed how increasing uncertainty, volatility, and chaos in our country has and will continue to increase demand for our offerings. Our second quarter results speak for themselves and demonstrate the macro trends are behind us. Our strategy is beginning to play out, and we are executing better. The year began with some uncertainty regarding the trends we might see in year, given the volatility over the past few years. We have been convinced that the market has moved in our direction and that we were not going to fall back to pre-pandemic levels, but there still remained the question of whether we could surpass those pandemic highs. Well, we ended the second quarter with 196.5 thousand enrollments for an all-time record, surpassing our pandemic-level highs. We saw enrollment growth in both our career learning and general education programs and strength in both new enrollment and retention. We have the largest cohort of new in-year enrollments that we've ever seen. And Americans continue to believe that school choice is good for the education system. A recent poll by YouGov released this fall showed 84% support giving every child in the U.S. the ability to attend the public school in their state that best meets their needs, regardless of where they live. The results are clear, and it's what we've been hearing for years. Parents want choice. They want to be able to choose a school that will meet the unique needs of their child. They want to be able to change their child's future. I also continue to see reports that support our move into the career learning space. This fall, freshman enrollment in four-year institutions for 18 to 20-year-olds declined by 5.2%. And the reason for this decline was that this age group is increasingly choosing to enroll in community college or certificate programs. Students are explicitly looking for short-term programs 
that have a direct connection to the workforce. While we're still working on driving incremental demand to our career programs, data like this supports our decision to focus on certificates and career pathways in fast-growing in-demand careers. Students in our programs can graduate high school knowing they've got the skills to go directly into the workforce or to choose to attend a post-secondary institution. There's also continuing support for our new products. In November, I outlined our K-12 tutoring product along with some of the demand drivers that support our entrance into the market. A study out of Texas showed that K-2 students who received individual virtual tutoring during last school year demonstrated higher reading test scores by year end. And Virginia launched a statewide high dosage tutoring effort, part of a $400 million investment in education to recover from academic declines. We know that our tutoring offering using state certified teachers can be part of the solution to the nation's learning loss and help drive student success. Taken together, I remain as excited about Stride's ability to change the future for students as I ever have been. The market conditions are ripe for an innovator like Stride to continue to drive student success across multiple markets. This call marks the end of my third year as CEO. And as we continue to achieve new enrollment and financial records, I still see a long runway in front of us. A couple of highlights I'd like to point out since I was appointed CEO. Gross margins are on pace to expand 300 basis points, plus or minus. Trailing 12-month reported EPS and reported operating income are both up three times the levels prior to my appointment as CEO. We've got the right team in place and are executing against the strategy that we've previously outlined. Thank you, and I will now turn the call over to Donna. Donna? Thanks, James, and good evening. I know James already discussed our enrollment numbers, but I think it's important to put it into perspective. It was just two quarters ago that we were fielding questions about whether we could return to year-over-year -year enrollment growth following the pandemic. And now we're talking about exceeding pandemic highs. This speaks to the resiliency of our offerings and the sustained demand for alternative educational options. We are proud to be able to give families a choice. And we believe that the trends point to a long-term growth in our business. All of that has resulted in the first quarter in our history that we achieved over a half a billion dollars in revenue. And we've updated our revenue guidance for the full year such that now it exceeds $2 billion at the midpoint. Turning to our quarterly results, we reported revenue of $504.9 million, an increase of 10% from the second quarter of fiscal year 23. Adjusted operating income of $94.9 million, up from $76.3 million, or 24%, from the same period last year. Earnings per share of $1.54, up 35 cents from last year. And capital expenditures of $12.7 million, down slightly year over year. Career learning middle and high school revenue grew 7% to $165.1 million. This performance was driven by enrollment growth of 9% year-over-year, 
somewhat offset by a slight decline in revenue per enrollment. During the quarter, enrollments grew over 3,000, continuing the in-year enrollment growth trends we saw last year. In our general education programs, revenue was $313.9 million, up 14% from last year. This strength was also driven by continued enrollment growth in the quarter, with enrollments finishing the quarter up 5.4 thousand from the end of September, and average enrollment growth of 9% from last year. Revenue per enrollment for Gen Ed increased 8%. We continue to see strength in funding for education, and while we saw some timely impacts in our career learning revenue per enrollment, we still expect to finish the year with revenue per enrollment growth of between 4 and 6% for both lines of business. Our adult learning business revenue declined $4 million to $25.9 million on the weakness in our tech business we discussed previously. Metrics continued to perform well, but growth in that business did not fully offset the declines in our boot camp. Gross margins for the quarter were 39.8%, up 270 basis points from last year. We're still seeing the effects of the efficiency efforts we put into place last year and continue to implement. Given the timing of the impact last year, we don't expect gross margin increases to be as strong year over year in the second half. We still expect to see gross margins improve by 200 to 250 basis points for the full year. Selling general and administrative expenses increased 15% to $116.9 million. Stock-based compensation for the quarter was $7.6 million. We now expect to finish the year with stock-based compensation in the range of $29 to $33 million. Adjusted operating income for the quarter was $94.9 million, up 24% from last year. Adjusted EBITDA was $118.3 million. Interest expense for the quarter was $2 million. Our effective tax rate for the quarter was 24.9% and diluted earnings per share for the quarter was $1.54. Turning to our balance sheet and cash flow, capital expenditures for the quarter were $12.7 million, down slightly from last year. Free cash flow, defined as cash from operations less CapEx, was $160.6 million, up $13.2 million from the prior year period. We finished the quarter with cash and cash equivalents of $354.4 million. Based on the strength of our enrollments, we are raising our full year revenue and profit guidance. And we now expect revenue in the range of $1.99 to $2.04 billion. Adjusted operating income between $265 and $285 million capital expenditures between 60 and 65 million, and an effective tax rate between 25 and 27%. For the third quarter, we are forecasting revenue in the range of 500 to $520 million, adjusted operating income between 85 and 95 million, and capital expenditures 
between 14 and 17 million. Thank you for your time. Now I'll turn it over to the operator for Q&A. Operator? Thank you. At this time, I would like to remind our teleconference participants in order to ask a teleconference question, please press the star followed by the number one on your telephone keypad. We will pause for just a moment to compile the Q&A roster. Our first question for today comes from the line of Greg Parrish from Morgan Stanley. Please go ahead with your question. All right, thank you. Um, congrats on a, another strong quarter. I guess we'll start with margin, really good expense management again. You unpack the margin beat. Is there anything to call out on the expense management side where you were able to outperform your expectation going into the quarter? And then related, if you continue on the trajectory, there's upside to the full year, at least the way I look at it. So is there anything timing-related um, or any reason why the back-half margin won't be quite as strong as second quarter? Sure. So on a, on a gross margin, some of the things that we talked about last year, we are, we are continuing to do this year. Uh, one of the things you heard me talk about uh, last quarter, just the timing of when we did teacher hiring had an impact. Um, on our margins, we did a much better job uh, with that hiring process. Uh, the material that we send out uh, using more digital, using uh, innovation and technology, uh, using our size and scale, all the things that we talked about, we continue to do that. And as you might recall, you know, I spent a lot of time talking about gross margins last year, and I said the changes we were making uh, were structural changes, and that still holds true. Um, in terms of the rest of the year, uh, the year-over-year -year comparison uh, won't be as, as favorable, one, because some of those uh, efforts we put into place we put into place, you know, later in, later in the year. So from a comparison perspective, you won't see that. And then also in Q4, uh, we typically have more sort of uh, school-level costs like state testing and um, some restrictive funding uh, that we have to spend in, in Q4. Uh, and so that's where you might see Q4 gross margins, typically not as high as you might see um, in Q2 and Q3. Okay, great. Thank you. That's uh, helpful. Um, I guess I mean, it sounds like you ended at 196, so everything was trending positive throughout the quarter. So I think I know the answer, but I, I think we're asking this quarterly now. But so far, 23 days in January, we're seeing similar trends. So it sounds like, and I think third quarter, it's harder to add students into the second quarter, but this thing's still trending upwards, it seems, through January here so far? Yeah, I, mean, I think we're not going to talk about the specifics of January today, but um, but yeah, January so far looks pretty good. Um, I think uh, what you said is right, meaning it's harder, there's just less spots even open in Q3. Uh, a lot of the enrollment windows actually shut down in the quarter, so uh, the ability to even add kids uh, sort of closes during the quarter, um, you know, but but I think just from a funnel perspective, uh, we, we continue to like what we see. Okay, fair enough. Um, and then I'm going to ask you about adult learning. I know it's a small, it's 5 6% of revenue. Last quarter, I talked a little bit about macro headwinds, but it seems like, I don't know, did something shift in the quarter or was there sort of a, a big client loss or anything to call out there? And then um, I guess how long does this kind of last for? Maybe it's just macro dependent, um, but when do you expect this to, to get back to uh, how it was growing in the past? Yeah, I mean, I think um, the macro headwinds continue. I think you'll see that across the industry. Um, 
so I don't think we're we're immune to what's happening across the industry and from uh, from an adult learning perspective. Um, I think that uh, certainly through the rest of the year, I, I would expect uh, the headwinds to continue. Um, next year, I think we have to see. Um, we're excited. I think the, the the difference with our business, um, the adult learning, than the industry or sort of the broader industry, if you will, is um, is our uh, we're a little bit of a tell of two cities. We have the technology based stuff, the boot camp stuff, which again macro headwinds. I think everybody's going to see that. Everybody is seeing that. Uh, but we have our healthcare side, which continues to perform well, and uh, as that continues to grow, and we think perform well. Uh, you know, at some point it'll offset, I think, uh, any declines in the other side. So uh, whether that's next year or not will remains to be seen, but, um, you know, I don't think it, either way it won't, it won't be a, a material impact up or down uh, for next year. All right, fair enough. Thank you very much. Congrats again. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Jeff Silber from BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead with your question. Thank you so much. Um, wanted to focus on the, on the different segments. I'm going to start with general education. Um, I know you have not broken out um, this as a separate segment for too many years, but, but kind of looking back historically, I think this is the first year we've seen sequential enrollment growth in gen ed between the first quarter and the second quarter. I know you cited you know, some improvements in retention, but if we can get a little bit more color, um, it was actually a, a nice surprise there. Yeah, I think uh, generally speaking, um, we did uh, we did find a sequential improvement. That is, I think you're right. Generally speaking, Q1 to Q2 uh, in almost every year we'll see a decline. A lot of that happens just because um, you know the September period, the end of Q1, we get um, you know a little bit of actually a push of enrollments because a lot of families um, sort of adjust, if you will, what they're trying to do in September, and many of those adjustments uh, sort of come to us, you know, and then you sort of have this tail off uh, in October and November and then uh, into December. Uh, obviously, we, um, we were able to um, reverse that for this year sequentially, and uh, I think part of it just we had strong execution. I think it remains to be seen whether there's a macro trend here uh, for future years or not. We definitely see improved execution. So I think that helped contribute to, um, to a stronger second quarter. Uh, you know, we see, you know, funnel metrics like conversion and things like that continue to improve. So, I, and, and I think that's really our execution, which is improving. Uh, I think we still have a ways to go to continue improving it. Um, but I just, there's not enough data that we can see, I think, that would suggest that the sequential trend is a macro sort of ongoing tailwind Q1 to Q2. Okay, that's uh, helpful. I appreciate it. If I could move on to career learning and let me focus on middle high school. Um, although we did see growth on a year-over-year -year basis, the growth did slow. Again, we don't have a lot of historical data, but I think it's the first time that we've seen single-digit year-over-year growth in that segment. Um, it, so it looks like it did slow. Can we talk about what was going on there? Yeah, I mean, I think um, well, you know, single-digit, we're in the 9-plus percent range, so, like, yes, I mean, single-digit. Uh, you know, we, we've got, I think, uh, a business that's starting to scale. 
Um, we have a business that, um, you know, now uh, in some respects, you need, it's a same store comp because we're not adding a whole lot of new programs. And, um, you know, I think for the year, we'll probably still be, uh, we'll still probably average out into a double digit growth. And, um, you know, so I think that's, it, for us, I think that's, uh, you know, if, if we continue at that sort of low double digit career growth, we're going to be pretty happy. Um, but, you know, there's a little bit of mix, there's a little bit of, you know, we're talking on the margin here and, you know, um, the difference between 9 plus percent and 10 percent, you know, is a few hundred kids, several hundred kids. So uh, we're talking on the margins here, I think, a little bit. Yeah, I, I was actually referring to revenue. So I know, you know, you have revenue per student, you know, there was a little oh, pressure there. So that's okay, no worries. Um, but yeah, again, I your, answer, your answer to that is valid as well. Okay, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll jump back to you. Thanks so much. Thanks. As a reminder, if you'd like to ask a question, please press the star followed by the one on your telephone. To cancel this request, please press the star followed by the two. Our next question comes from the line of Stevens Sheldon from William Blair. Please go ahead with your question. Hey, thanks for taking my questions and, and really nice results here once again. I wanted to start with something that, that I've been getting asked about a lot more from investors. I think I'm sure you guys have too. But what does the opportunity look like to take your career learning solutions into local school districts? I think you've piloted some programs like that before where students take their core classes in person locally and then take their electives online in your career learning programs. Do you do you think this is a larger opportunity to pursue in the next few years and what could that mean to your team? Yeah, so I think the short answer is, is it a larger opportunity? Yes. Um, I think part of the uh, part of the issue is going to be uh, just with um, the way that districts across the country uh, will embrace change. Um, our strategy, uh, I think, does present an opportunity to get into those districts with our career learning program. Um, we will do it uh, in a multi-pronged way, meaning. Uh, one is we will offer them literally the same program that we give our virtual students, um, which uh, I think can be compelling for some districts. We'll also uh, take a little bit of a platform strategy and um, uh, offer a sort of um, a, a little bit of a light solution, if you will, through our TALA platform that will allow for um, districts to do a little bit more self-serve. Uh, it'll be a little bit more teacher light. It'll be less um, sort of instructor led, et cetera. Um, but it will still offer them what we think will be a best-in-class platform solution for career learning at the high school level. Um, so that is, I mean, we're probably in a beta phase of that upgrade to our platform. Um, I don't think just given the selling cycle, you'll see much traction for this coming fall just because the selling season for districts is sort of going to get behind us pretty pretty quickly. Um, but I would expect us to be able to offer it a little bit more robustly in the following fall uh, from a platform perspective. But I think the short answer to your original question is, yeah, it does, it does offer us a good longer-term opportunity. I just don't think we're going to see it in the next 12 months. Got it. Makes a lot of sense. Um, then just quickly on the career learning, the revenue per enrollment, um, and apologies if I missed this, but was that mainly lower due to the mix of students by state? Anything else to call out there in terms of that contracting a bit year over year? I, I know that the comp there was also pretty difficult. 
And then Donna, I think you reaffirmed expectations for uh, revenue per student or enrollment to be four to six percent, consistent with what you talked about last quarter. Are trends there kind of coming in as you would have expected so far this year? And so I'll, I'll answer part of the second one first. Uh, yes, we expect uh, our revenue per enrollment for gen ed and career to be up four to six percent. Uh, we see a decline in the career for this quarter. Uh, yes, partly due, uh, due to mix. As you know, overall, our, um, our revenue per enrollment with gen ed and career combined was up over, over 5%. You may recall that last year in this quarter, we talked about some of the upside that we saw in the uh, revenue per enrollment for career with student timing. So this is just the offset of that that, that makes for a tougher comparison. Got it. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, and then just last one, maybe just be, when do you think you'd start building a separate marketing funnel for the career learning programs? I know this isn't something you've done historically, um, but you've talked about it more as an opportunity. Has that started yet? And if not, when could that become a, a bigger initiative? Yeah, I'll say in some respects, uh, we've had um, fits and starts with it already. Um, I think that this is an area where, uh, unfortunately, we have not executed well. I'd say actually say we ex we've executed poorly. Um, I do think it's an opportunity, uh, and I think we will make some investments for this coming fall season in incremental enrollments around career. Remains to be seen if we can be successful. But it's, we definitely think it's a very significant opportunity. We definitely believe that um, part of our issue has been around execution, and we will definitely make some investments uh, in that direction for this fall. Got it. Well, uh, thanks again uh, for the time, and, and congrats on the results. Thank you. As a final reminder, if you would like to ask a question today, please press the star followed by the one on your telephone. Our next question comes from the line of Alex Paris from Barrington Research. Please go over with your question. Hi, everyone. Thanks for taking my questions. Also, add my congratulations on the uh, beat and raise for the quarter. Um, I just had a couple of uh, questions. First of all, I wanted to ask about uh, the press release that you put out last week regarding med certs. Um, looked like you did a uh, big new uh, contract with Virginia State University. Uh, can you? Uh, uh, expand on that a little bit, and then just talk about the med certs business overall. You know, what sort of growth rates are we uh, experiencing? You know, without I know you don't give uh, granular detail on it, but uh, orders of magnitude, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, I think okay. So uh, when we bought the med certs asset, whatever three years ago, um, it was a predominantly B two C business, and. Um, and it still is, by the way, today, predominantly a B2C business. I think what we see is that that uh, B2C uh, part of the business is, uh, it continues to be very attractive, continues, I think, to have a lot of opportunity to grow. But I think the B2B side of it is, um, is in some ways, uh, it's just going to have more legs to it. It's, it's, I think, a bigger market opportunity, actually, I think there are better, easier clients in a lot of respects to manage uh, on, a, on a B2B basis. And so um, we think that the B2B side is going to be long-term larger than the B2B, than the B2C side of the business. So 
um, I think uh, that means I think we could double, you know, the business over the next several years just by, you know, growing the, the B2B side of the business. I think uh, that would imply, you know, some double-digit growth rate, long-term growth rate on that business. Um, you know, even at that rate, it's not going to be a major contributor to the overall company anytime soon, but we are very bullish about uh, about our opportunities in that space. And is the Virginia State contract the, the biggest or the first in this B2B effort? Uh, not, the, not the biggest nor the first. Um, I think it's uh, university, I think it was University of New England or some other university, but not the biggest nor the first. I think, uh, you know, we don't have dozens yet, but, you know, I think we're, uh, we're making a lot of good progress with a lot of good conversations. So I think, uh, you know, um, a lot of good traction, a lot of good early tractions. Great. That's good to hear. Uh, and then uh, the other and related question is about tutoring. Um, you know, you talked about it in your prepared comments a little bit, James. Um, uh, you, you said in the past, uh, uh, you know, among your new products, these are this is one of the ones that you're most excited about. It addresses learning losses. It has AI components as well. Uh, anything to report there in terms of uh, uh, wins and, and uh, go to market? Yeah, I mean, I think... Um, one is uh, we have we've had a couple of nice wins. Um, you can go. There's a public sort of a announcement or a press release. Uh, there's a district uh, called Pulaski, I think, district in Virginia. Um, and uh, we didn't. I don't even know that. I I, I didn't know that they were going to do this. Maybe somebody in my organization did. But uh, they released. There's like a YouTube video or something out there on it. There's a press release. Uh, they made a big deal about how uh, our platform helped. Uh, with their learning loss. And, um, you know, you can't, you, you, those kind of testimonials, uh, you know, it's particularly when we didn't even know or ask, uh, completely un, um, unprompted by us, um, you know, I think bodes well for the long-term uh, prospects for that business. Gotcha. So just to be clear, you're in the market with this product right now. Yes, we are in the market with this product. We're also, uh, we think for next year, we're going to have a pretty good upgrade to the product, uh, which, was, which is going to embed more AI elements into it. But, uh, but yes, we're in market today. Great. Thank you. That'll do for now. Thanks.